Let's go ahead and uh, grab a seat, take a seat real fast. I'm going to get into some things in the Word. Man, what a good presence of the Lord. I really, I really believe that the Lord is moving in us to help clean our conscience, as was spoken, to help us experience a restoration on the inside. Um, and as I was as I was praying today, it just kept coming to me was the word attention, attention. You, you know that um, sometimes you can feel guilty about needing attention. Anybody ever felt that way before? Just me, okay, that's cool. <laughs> I need attention, I shouldn't need attention. No, actually you are made to need attention. I mean, have you ever heard of um, like, children, young children, if they don't get enough attention from their parents, do you know that affects them for the rest of their life? Negatively. Yeah. You, get, you, you wanna hurt your children? Ignore them a lot. So do they need that attention? Absolutely they do. They need it. So we're children of God, right? We need attention. Amen. The question really, really comes to, what kind of attention do we need? Where are we getting it? And the results of where we're going to get that attention is gonna, is gonna come out in our life, whether, whether it's healthy or unhealthy. And so I, I just first off wanna encourage you, stop feeling guilty for wanting attention. You wanna be seen, you wanna be noticed, Welcome to being a human. That's okay. It's okay to be, need, to be noticed. It's okay to need to be noticed. It's okay to have a desire for someone to give me some attention. God created you that way. It's not a mistake. It's not also, it's not just a part of your, you know, fallen nature either. Like, oh, that's just, a, that's just the fallen me. That's just the flesh needing attention. No, you are born, even reborn, with the need for attention. Do you know, you'll never find Jesus saying, oh, you're just, you don't, you don't need attention. You, you don't, you don't, you're calling out to me. You're just trying to get my attention, and, and that's wrong. He never says that in the scripture. You see people over and over and over thronging themselves against Jesus, and not one time does he rebuke them and say, oh, you're just trying to do this for, to get my attention, aren't you? It's like, that's not the heart of God. The heart of God wants to meet the need in us for our need for attention, our need to be noticed. God's desire for you is so that you walk around like, I'm really someone because God knows me. He shows me attention, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big deal to God. And since I'm a big deal to God, that's enough for me. And I don't really need anything else. I don't need anyone else's attention. I don't need this world's attention. I don't need some guy's attention or some lady's attention. I have the attention of God himself, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who went to the cross for me. I have his ear. I have his eyes, they're on me. I don't need, I, I don't need everyone else's eyes on me because I have his eyes on me. 
And that's, you know, that's contrary to the way our world thinks. It's like, there's this epidemic of, I just want to get like, YouTube famous. I just want more views. Can I get more? How do I get more views? It's like, that is totally the wrong way to get that feeling of, wow, I have attention. I'm getting attention. It's not fulfilling. It's not satisfying. In fact, I would, I would even go to say this, that the attention that we get that's unhealthy and not from the Lord, that's not, sometimes I'm not saying that only attention comes directly from him. Sometimes the attention the Lord gives is through someone and he will lead people to recognize other people and say, hey, you're, you're supposed to say something or you're supposed to do something and he'll highlight people and he can also uh, make connections regarding relationships and maybe you're single and you want someone from the opposite sex to notice you. It's like, I, need a, I want someone else's attention in that way. Well, the Lord can make that thing happen. He can bring people together. He can cause the right one to notice you. But desiring and needing, I need all these eyes on me, you might get a lot of the wrong attention. You might get a lot of the wrong eyes on you, and that could be really detrimental. You might find yourself in a relationship that's very unhealthy, ungodly, not part of the plan of God for your life, all because you're trying to meet this need that the Lord designed to meet for you and bring other people to help meet that need as well. So what's, what's the answer? I just got to go to him. I got to get that need met from him. Um, turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is teaching, um, he teaches his disciples how to pray. In this same uh, chapter, we have um, the model prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be, be your name. But before he teaches really how to pray, he teaches how not to. Verse five, he says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, why? Here, he says why right here. That they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. What's their reward? They got attention from a person or people, and that's all they get. That's the, that's the end of their reward. But you, verse 6, when you pray, go into your room, and when you've shut your door, pray to your Father who's in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. He's giving us a recipe on how to get our needs met of being seen. Saying these, yes, he's teaching on prayer, but he's also saying these people, they're trying to get their need met for their attention, for it to be noticed through man, I've designed it that if you get that need met through me, I'll make sure you get noticed how you're supposed to get noticed. I'll bring the right kind of attention by rewarding you openly. Openly means everyone's going to see the reward. Everyone's going to see God working. So God sees in the secret, which means he sees 
us. He sees us. He knows us. He, his, we, we, we heard on Sunday the scripture in, in Chronicles, right, about how the eyes of the Lord search to and fro over the whole earth, seeking whom heart is loyal to him because he wants to show himself strong. God is searching for our eyes to be on him. When he's looking down, he's looking down for us with our eyes up. That's, that's a sign of loyalty. My, my eyes are on him. When my eyes and my attention's on him, guess what? He can show himself strong. We, you guys got taught that Sunday, right? No need to teach it again. But God has designed us to be attention-seeking. It's like, that sounds terrible. It's not terrible. It's just the source in which you go to find it really determines if you're going to be healthy or unhealthy. Determines whether you're going to experience the life of God or death. Life or death, it's right here. You know, um, you, remember, you remember Satan, right? You know that guy, the enemy? Do you remember why he fell in the beginning? It's really the same issue. He had this issue of, I need attention. You know the way everyone's looking at God? I want them all to look at me like that. I need their attention like God's getting their attention. And that was, that was the result. That, that was the, that was the um, cause that resulted in all the chaos that we're seeing in the world today. Everything that the enemy's doing is the result of, I want attention. And so sometimes you can look in our society and you can see things that are are obviously not God. One of them is when people are, are doing things specifically for attention. Think about having certain types of parades. Look, oh, look at me, do, putting on these different displays. Like that is coming from the same spirit that is the, the devil fell into when he was puffed up in pride saying, I want all eyes on me. The result of getting everyone's eyes on you is you're gonna be more empty. It's gonna be worse off in your own life than if you said, Lord, I don't care if anyone's eyes are on me except yours. If your eyes are on me, that's enough. I'm satisfied with that. I mean, this is God we're talking about. This is the almighty, all-powerful God who loves us, who died for us. This world has a whole lot to offer, but it's a whole lot of emptiness. It's a whole lot of negative. It's gonna, you're gonna, if you've ever experienced anything in the world like I have, do you know, I, I, some of my testimony, um, for three years, I walked away from the Lord from the time I was 18 to the, to the time I was 21. And, you know, the more world I experienced, the worse, the more misery I experienced. And at first it feels real nice. It's real, you know, they talk about sin as being, uh, it, it tastes great in the moment, but it's the, it's the lasting side effects that are really the problem. And it leads us to a place of misery. We're not gonna, we're not gonna go searching for attention out in the world and end up, wow. 
I feel great about that. I, f- I feel just so satisfied. I'm so at peace now. You know what it's going to do? It's, it's like an addiction. Once you have some, the next time you're going to need more. And then what happens? You're going to have to go back for more. And it's going to create, see, it just tears away at us. The Lord's attention fills Negative attention strips us from the inside. It creates a bigger hole. It just magnifies the need. And you can see how this works in the world. You can see how people in the world, it's a snowball effect where it's like their life just goes way astray. But the way God's designed this to work, I look to him He's the one who meets my need. He's the one who has plans for me. He's the one who fulfills me. I need to get in the secret place and watch, you'll be fulfilled. It's gonna be like the Lord hears you. He's gonna talk to you. And it's okay to just be brutally honest with God sometimes. Sometimes it's okay to just be like, Lord, I'm coming to you because I need I need, to, I need to have your attention. I need to be filled. I'm sorry, but I feel like no one's noticing me. No one cares. I'm coming to you for this. That brutal honesty God can work with. You know, if you're just trying to play religion when you're praying, you're going to end up completely missing what God's saying. You're going to end up completely missing what he wants to do. He doesn't respond to religious prayers. He responds with, to prayers that are really from your heart. And so when you're going about your day thinking, oh, I wonder if, I wonder if, um, I wonder if I'm going to be seen by this person. I wonder if I was just noticed by my boss. I wonder if they, if they just noticed me. How many know that the scriptures say that God notices every good deed you do? Everything that you do will be rewarded. There's nothing that he misses. Everything that you do, he's, he's paying attention to. What's the motive? What's the motive in which you're doing it? Even part of the, part of the word that you heard from Brother Frank about, um, about dead works. It's like, why do dead works? I just, now you can take it and you can, you can go in the negative here and say, well, I'm trying to perform for God. I'm trying to do this for his attention. It's like, that's not the way it works. It doesn't work that way. You don't do dead works to get God's attention. You're gonna get God's attention by being honest and open with him, by coming to him, by seeking him. It's, it's, gonna, be, it's gonna result in actual life. You're gonna experience the life of God. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Man, the love of God. Do you know God loves us? You know, there's, there's, one, there's one side of the equation that is, I need attention. Then we also have this thing that we can give that's also attention. You know, attention is right there with worship. You could, you could say that the, what you give the most attention to, you worship. Yeah. 
That's, that's a scary thought because I know we're pretty distracted in America where we give our attention to a whole lot of things that are not worthy of our attention. If I can find Hebrews, there it is. Verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of, witness, of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. When we're looking to the Lord, when our hearts are set on him, he's able to make our faith work. If, our, if we're looking at, um, now, now uh, switching gears a little bit of talking about getting the things that you need. You know, sometimes I've heard it said this way, and you, you, hear, you hear even Christians talk about trying to get things to manifest. Anybody ever heard those and then you have like this whole weird universal spiritual movement where it's like, let's, let's try to think about certain things and we'll manifest things. How many know that is not scripture? That's not Bible. Like that's not God. God doesn't cause things to manifest because you give those things attention. How do you get those things that you want and desire in your life? You look to the one who gives what you need. When I look to Jesus, he's the author and the finisher of my faith, I'm gonna have the faith to receive everything that I need. Because he's authoring it and he's finishing it. He's going to manifest what I need. It's not my job to, you know, you might be, you might be currently believing God for something. Like, I, I need a car. I some people in here are like, I need a spouse. I need, I need money. I, I need a job that's way better than the one I have. Lord, help me get a better job. All right, now, now, now do this. Now imagine the job and imagine all the money that you're going to have and set your mind on all that. It's like, that's not how it works. You don't have scripture on that. That's... That's you focused on stuff. God didn't design you to focus on stuff or people. If you're believing God for a spouse, God didn't design you to have your attention directed towards things that are of less importance than the things that he has said and who he is. He's a God that's a jealous God. He is a jealous God. That's his word, he said that in his word. He's like, I'm jealous. Your eyes looking all around, looking for things that you don't really need, thinking that you're gonna get fulfilled here, get fulfilled there. I'm a jealous God. I want your attention. And you might be like, is he that insecure? <laughs> it's not just for him. It's because he actually cares about you. And he knows all that stuff that you're looking at, it's just going to hurt you. It's just going to hurt you. It's going to be something that results in your life getting worse, not better. He's like, I know where every good and perfect gift come from. 
and it comes from me. So keep your eyes on me. I'm the source of every good thing in your life. And if you have that mindset, sometimes it's like, oh, I really, I really need that. I really need this. You know, sometimes when you've prayed for something, I don't know if you've ever prayed for something and we're in faith for something. And when that thing pops into your head again of what you need, because sometimes you, when you're living without something, that thing pops in your head quite often, especially if you like need a car and you don't have one or it's broke down. Not having a car comes up a lot in your life. What should you do? Let's think about that car. No, don't think about the car. Think about the one who's the source of the car. Go to, you can, I'm not saying you can't relate to him regarding the car, but you can say, Lord, thank you for my car. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know maybe what kind of car it is, but Lord, you're going to give me a car. You're faithful. You said in your word, all my needs are supplied according to your riches and glory. All my needs come from you. Lord, you're the source of it. And that repositioning of your heart will not only get you what you need, but he, the scripture says that he makes one rich. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. And then the second part of that, he adds no sorrow to it. You know those things that we kind of do in and of ourselves and make happen because we somehow try to manifest them in our own strength? You know what they end up doing? Bringing a whole lot of sorrow. You remember, you remember Isaac and Ishmael, the two sons of Abraham? Remember one was the result of Abraham making it happen on his own, Ishmael? And then Isaac was the son of promise. You know, Ishmael brought a lot of sorrow to the whole world. It was actually prophesied to, to Hagar that he would be a man who is against humanity. He's going to cause a whole lot of trouble. Why? That's the results of doing it yourself. That's the results of dead works. That's the results of you trying to make something happen, saying, oh, I think this is how God's going to do it. He's going he's to have me figure it out on my own. No. Where's that scripture? <laughs> That's not how he works. He's not working off of, here, you figure it out. You, you know what? If you would just stress out more, Would you rack your brain on this? <laughs> you know, if you, just, if you just were in anguish a little bit more about this problem that you're having, if you just stayed up later and got less sleep and Googled longer, <laughs> it's like, that's not how you get something from God. Faith looks like rest. Faith doesn't look like stress. Faith doesn't look like I'm racking my brain, I'm trying to figure this thing out. It's like faith is, ah, Lord, I got my eyes on you. You remember, you remember Peter, right? And Peter walks out on the water because the Lord said, come. One word, come. So Peter's like, apparently this is happening. I can walk on water. It's, 
he steps out, he's walking towards the Lord. And it wasn't until he got his eyes off of the Lord that he, stopped, he started to be subject to the ways of the world or the things of this world. The things of this world, meaning the storms out there, the wind, the waves that he was walking on at the time, he was not subject to them, he was above them. He was above the problems that the rest of the, the disciples were experiencing in the boat. They were scared of in the boat. He was above them because he had his eyes on the one who was the author and the finisher of his faith. What you get your eyes on gets into you. I mean, this is, this is kind of elementary Christianity a little bit. Like, you guys remember that song, Be Careful Little Children What You See? It's an old one. Be careful little ears what you hear. And it's kind of like a scary song, like, oh. I remember hearing that as a kid, like, oh. The Lord's going to get so mad at me if I hear the wrong thing. No, it's really about protecting. Be careful what you're seeing. Be careful what you're putting in front of your eyes. Be careful about what you're giving your attention to. It's going to get in you. It's going to be something that either displaces God, which can really happen to a believer in your soul. You can be empty of God. That's your mind, your will, your emotions. There are many Christians that are walking around today and the Lord is not a thought in their mind. They are distant from God, yet spiritually they're connected. Spiritually they're one with God. They've been made born again, which means that they have been made in union with the Lord forever. But their actual experience, God's not real to them. God is not someone that talks to them. God's not someone they think about. Why? Well, I would say this, that it starts with because at some point they turn their attention away from him and whatever they turn their attention to got into them to the degree that it displaced everything of God to now they're walking around completely without the life of God in them. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded is death. God is spirit. So you have to, more scripture, you have to set your, th your eyes on things that are unseen. You have to pay attention to things that you can't see. It's like, how do you do that? That sounds really hard. Do I just close my eyes all the time? No, it's a, something that you do with the, heart, the eyes of your heart. Jesus talked about the ears of the heart being, being deaf. Jesus talked about the the eyes of the heart being blind, seeing they don't see, hearing they don't hear. It's like, where are they not hearing? Not in their physical ears. Where are they blind? Not in their physical eyes. It's, it's in, of the heart. They're unaware of what's, what's true. And that happens by turning your eyes off of truth, turning your eyes off of what you need to keep your eyes on. When, when God designed you to always have your attention on him, it was because he was trying to get all of the good things that he is into you. He wants your life stinking amazing. 
That can't happen when our life is, or when our eyes and our focus and our attention are on everything else. Everything that we can see, everything that we can touch. I don't, you don't need to put your eyes there. You have to focus on the things that are unseen. Those are the real things, by the way. When we get to eternity, with this whole earth thing wraps up, because it's wrapping up here real soon, if you didn't know, we're, we're right there, and this whole thing's wrapping up. When this wraps up, guess what happens to the earth? It's gone, destroyed. You know God's going to destroy the earth? He promised not to destroy it by a flood, but he, spe- he specified flood for a reason. Because the next one is fire. Do you know what that means? Everything that you see with your eyes right now is going to be gone. Everything people are out there giving their lives to, it's going to be gone forever. It'll mean nothing. And there is a judgment seat coming, the judgment seat of Christ, which, which for us is a reward. But you know what gets rewarded? Well, I can tell you what gets burned up. Everything that's, everything that's done for temporary reasons, not eternal reasons. Everything that's done that's inside of us, what we've set our lives to, that is just for, oh, I just want to get this next car. I just want to get this next thing. I just want this. It's like all that stuff's going to get burned up on that day. It's all going away. There's no rewards for that. There's no rewards for carnal ambition. This is where we readjust. And, and I really believe that, you know, as we, as we step into freedom where we're not condemning ourselves for recognizing our need for attention, that's kind of where it starts. But then saying, now I have attention to give. And where are my eyes going? Where are my eyes set? Where's my affection set? What's my heart really care about? You know, um, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. One way you can determine what's going on in your heart a lot, what do you talk about all the time? It's like, how often do you talk about God? Well, it doesn't really come up a lot. Why? <laughs> it's, not, it's not something that you have to force yourself to talk about God. That's, that's going to be brutal for you. That's going to be trying to talk about, for me, like, um, like hockey. <laughs> I, just, I just don't care about hockey that much. I, I don't mind going to a game and seeing people punch each other. That's yeah. fun. <laughs> but if you're going to talk to me about this player and how they scored here, it's like, yeah, I'm going to try to force myself to get through this conversation. Why? It's not something I care about. It's not something that's in my heart. It's not going to come out. Maybe you care about hockey a lot. And I'm not condemning that, by the way. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying the things that you care about, guess what? They're going to come out naturally. And it's going to come out normal. It's going to come out like, wow, you get all excited when you talk about that. How do you, how do you feel on the inside when you're talking about the things of God? When you're talking about what he's promised you, what he's doing in your life, what he did for you. 
Can I tell you, when it's bubbling out of you, I want to talk about the Lord. Do you know why that's there? Because your attention has been focused and that's what's been getting into you. Careful little children what you see because all that stuff's going to get into you. How do you know it's into you? Well, one way. What are, you, what are you talking about all the time? What excites you? What's exciting to talk about? I want to be excited about the things of God. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, I want to be excited about God. I want to talk about him and get like, man, this is good, and I just want it to flow out of me. How do you, how do you make that shift? How do you make that change? Well, it starts by this, intentionally adjusting your attention. Why? Because you get to determine your attention. There's no one else that determines what you focus on, what you think on, where you put your eyes when you have your own time. No one else gets to say where those go. Only you do. So who's responsible for what's inside of us? We are. Keeps going back to, who's, what, what, what problem am I having? And then it's like, you hold up the mirror again. Like, oh, yeah. There's the culprit. There's the source of all my problems. Well, don't beat yourself up over it. Sitting there and just, you know, saying, oh, man, this is terrible. I'm such a terrible person. That's not going to fix anything. And actually, it's not true. You're not a terrible person because you're not your choices. You're not what you do. You know that, right? You're not what you do. You know, if you were, if you ever see like a, a dog jumping around like a deer, you wouldn't say, that dog's a deer now. Look at that thing. <laughs> if you saw a cat barking like a dog, I'm pretty sure that cat is a dog. No, you would say, something's wrong in this where that dog is messed up in its thinking acting that way. So you're not who, you're not what you do because what you do could be messed up based upon something that is not who you really are. When you see a child of God focusing their attention on things that are not God, that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with that child of God. It just means they're off. They're doing something wrong. That doesn't mean they're the, there's a, a problem with them. They're just making a choice that's wrong. Just like that dog jumping around like a, like a deer. That's a weird choice. It's the wrong choice. But it doesn't make you a deer. Sinning doesn't make you a sinner if you're the righteousness of God according to God. Well, how can you say that? Because that's who he says we are when we're acting differently. That doesn't make us something different. That just means we are the righteousness of God. We're just being stupid in the moment, acting, in con acting contrary to who we really are. Because we're children of God. I have a scripture that'll blow your mind. It's in 1 John. It says that he who is born of God does not sin, neither can he sin. That'll make your head tweak a little bit. 
he can't sin, if you're born of God, that would make everyone, you know, when people read that, normally they go, I don't know a single person born of God. <laughs> Clearly, everybody I know sins. Some, some of them I'm aware of very firsthand. They did it against me. Clearly, they're not even saved according to this scripture. Well, that passage is talking about spirit. Your spirit is born of God. Your soul is not. Your soul is in a renewal process. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind, renewing it to the reality of who you now are in the spirit. You're a spirit being. As a spirit being, you are made in the image of God perfectly. There's nothing missing, nothing broken. You are the righteousness of God. And from that place, you can now live as God lives. You can now walk as Jesus walked. If you don't and you stumble, that doesn't make you anything less than still made in his image and still righteous and still made just like Jesus was made. It doesn't make you less than that. It just means you probably have some problems going on with your soul that still need to be renewed to the reality of who you really are. Like, hey, dog jumping around like a deer, you're not a deer. You ever see those animals that grow up with the wrong family and they like think they're the... Maybe stop hanging out with people who aren't the children of God. What does, that, what does that bring us back to? You're determining your attention. You're determining where you're setting your attention. Some of that's determined by the choices that you make with your associations, who you're around. Some of that's made with, by what you look at when you have free time. Open my phone and it's just garbage. It's like, guess what's getting in you? Garbage. And you know what's interesting is like certain, certain apps, they can tell what really gets your attention, what keeps your attention, and they're just gonna give you more of that. It's like, why is all this stuff that I don't wanna see coming on my feed? <laughs> because you're giving it attention, because maybe you paused on it and they know that. So where you give your attention determines what goes in you and then also determines what comes out of you. Your attention is, can I tell you, the world's after it. People are paid millions of dollars to try to get your attention. If you can keep people's attention, you can make a whole lot of money doing that. There are people who sit around tables all day long thinking, how are we gonna get people's attention? It's a hot commodity, your attention is, your focus, what you think on, what you're looking at, what you're listening to. The world's after it. Why? Well, one, the devil wants it. Why? He, he, knows, it's, he knows it's a form of glory. When your attention's going to the Lord, you're glorifying him. When your attention's going to anything that's of the, de the devil, anything that's originated with him, it's giving him glory. It's a scary thought. 
What'd you do today? I just glorified the devil for a while. <laughs> just really set my affection and attention on him and the things that he's doing. Wow. You know, this is, this is also why you don't like think about darkness and dark things for extended periods of time. You know, this is why you like, let's cast out demons and think about demons and all their activity. And it's like, I'm, I'm not saying that that should never be a discussion that we ever have. But if that's the overwhelming focus, guess what's getting in you? <laughs> that's real. There's Christians who walk around more devil conscious than God conscious. Well, that's why, why is that? Because of attention, because of focus. The Lord is worthy of our attention. He's the one who gave us everything we needed when he gave us Jesus. He's the one who deserves your glory that you give, the worship that we give, the honor that we give. It all goes to him. He is worthy of it. Not only is he worthy of it, but you need to do it for your sake. You need more of him in you. You need to be the one who walks on water that is not subject to the things of this world. You need to be the one who when you're poked, when you have issues and problems come out, it's like, I know who to turn to. I have a God who hears me. I have a God who sees me. I'm famous in his eyes and that's it. That's all I need. He's the one who satisfies me. He's the one that fulfills that need in me. How do I get that? Well, where's your attention going? What's your, what's your attention set on? When it's set on him, consistently, as I said earlier, that scripture says, whose mind is stayed upon him, he keeps him in perfect peace. That's the peace of God. That's not the peace the world has. That's the peace of God. Do you know the peace of God is so strong, it's, it literally talks about it and describes it in scripture that it's beyond understanding or beyond what you can comprehend. It's so ridiculously awesome that it's something that your mind really can't even wrap around. Because it goes like this, when you are really experiencing the peace of God, you know nothing is a really a problem anymore. There's really no problems in your life. It's like everything's gonna be just fine. How do you know that? I got this peace that I can't really explain. I can't really wrap my head around it, but it's so rich, it's so real, that I just know there's nothing that's gonna happen that's, that's, that's gonna be bad. Everything's gonna work out fine. Well, what if you die from that? Well, I'll be in heaven. <laughs> like The peace of God will keep you in a place where Jesus was literally sleeping in the bottom of a boat when all the fishermen out on the sea thought they were gonna die from a storm. Then they've been in storms before and they said, this is the one, this is the one we're gonna die from. And Jesus, full of the peace of God, it's like, this type of storm is great for just keeping me right, rocking at a certain pace that just keeps me completely knocked out. This is great. You don't understand, Jesus, this storm is a killer. This problem you're facing will kill you. The peace of God says, we're gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine. 
You know, Jesus didn't rebuke the storm for, and until, until the disciples said, we need this storm, we need this, this dealt with. I think he would have just kept sleeping if it wasn't for the disciples. And he would have been just fine. Maybe the storm eventually could have woken him up. We don't know what, would, what could have happened or what would have happened. But my guess is the peace of God, he, it just kept him in a place of this is fine. We're not, we're not in any trouble. This is okay. In a, in a sense, when naturally, it really looked bad. It really looked terrible. How did, how did Jesus get the peace of God in him? He said this. He said, I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see the Father do, which means you could tell where was his attention all of the time. He lived that scripture that said, he whose mind is stayed upon the Lord, he'll keep him in perfect peace. He lived that. That was reality for him. And there was times when he faced the worst of the worst, worse than anything we're ever gonna face, and yet the peace of God he had. He had the Lord. He had the Lord on his mind. He had his Father in heaven on his mind, and the peace of God was all he experienced. Praise God. Hallelujah.